cricket is coming and it's time for a bat. We're going sub some bodies and we'll have a good laugh. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew, or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Intersport Monkhouse. Monkhouse are official kit suppliers for Macclesfield Cricket Club. The business has developed from its retail roots in Cheadle Hume to now being the country's leading multi-channel schoolwear retailer. They now operate 18 sites and supply uniforms to over 450 schools across Cheshire, Cumbria, Flintshire, Greater Manchester, Lancashire, Merseyside, Staffordshire, Yorkshire and the West Midlands. They operate retail stores, 24-7 online, on-campus school shops, in-school sale events, wholesale direct-to-school and mail order. They have built a reputation for high quality and all-year-round service. Please visit www.monkhouse.com for more information. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is one of our more recent additions to Macclesfield Cricket Club. A man of agriculture, he announced his arrival at Max CC with a bang in his very first game. Often maligned and derided for his sleeping habits, he also has some unfinished business with another of our farming cricketers. It's the Minister of Milk, the Bully of Beef, the Captain of Cows, ladies and gentlemen, Mr Tom Radley. Radders, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Miles. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very good indeed. I'm very pleased to have managed to say that absolute mouthful without uh, having to redo it, which you can attest to, hopefully. An absolutely excellent introduction there, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just in your introduction alone, there's so many things we need to get over and, and talk about. I mean, I enjoyed Minister of Milk. I'm good. I, <laughs> but what about Bully of Beef? I mean, I, I was pretty keen on that. Bully of Beef? Yeah, I like that. I could, I could take that. Some letters after my name. I couldn't decide on either the Captain of Cows or the uh, cajoler of cows. So I went with Captain. It sounded a bit more crickety. Yeah, it sounds a bit more family-friendly, that. <laughs> For listeners of the podcast already, we, we already know there's one uh, person at, at Macclesfield Cricket Club who has, uh, well, an interesting relationship with farmyard animals, David Bostock. No questions asked. <laughs> Moving swiftly onwards, Radders, first question is how are you dealing with the lockdown situation, the COVID nightmare? You know, how is it for you? Uh, well, it's, uh, to be honest, not too bad. I'm obviously stuck in my rural retreat, still just milking the cows every day. So, uh, it, you know, if I didn't have access to the internet, I probably wouldn't know anything was amiss. Tell us what you do when you're not playing cricket. Uh, well, as you alluded to in the introduction, I'm a professional cow toucher. So I just run a dairy farm just outside of Congleton. Excellent. And uh, how are all the cows? Very important question. Well, absolutely. They're, they're doing very well. They're very thankful for the rain we've just had. Made the grass grow a little bit. So I, for one, wasn't sad to see it. No, well, this is always a funny one with you because you're in the, the beautiful disposition of, of whether it rains or it doesn't rain on a Saturday, depending on which way you're looking at it, you're, you're happy. I mean, if it doesn't rain, you can play cricket. And if it rains, it's it's great for the farm. So you're in a very enviable position, I have to say. Well, absolutely. As, as they say in farming, rain makes grass, grass makes brass. <laughs> But yeah, it is always uh, it is always very sad when you have a hot week and then it, it inevitably rains on Saturday and I'm not that unhappy. So <laughs> as I've I've said to you uh, before, at the moment, you know, with the with the whole COVID nightmare, I'm I'm always really happy to see glorious weather Monday to Friday and then it can rain as much as it wants on a Saturday because uh, we can't play cricket anyway, so it may as well rain. But uh, as soon as we can play cricket, it better not bloody rain. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I think there's a serious degree of certainty about that. Uh, anyway, Tom, let's let's get on to some crickets. What would you say your earliest cricketing memories are? Uh, well, I, I certainly remember one of my earliest memories, full stop, let alone cricketing, is playing in the garden with my uncle Morris, who taught, taught me what I was doing, I, I think. And then the first time I sort of had my cricket awakening would have probably been around 2005 in the Ashes, uh, and that would have been the first year I played at school as well, so I'd have been about 10 years old. 
uh, and that was the first time I played properly. So so that, that was when I really got into it and I, I just loved every minute of it. And I remember really early on actually at school being a sort of terrible cricket nerd and I printed off a, a sheet with all the fielding positions on it and took it out and gave it to all of my sort of teammates and insisted that they learn it because it would make my job easier <laughs> to move them around. So, <laughs> so I'll show, show you my colours early on. This is something I was going to come on to uh, a bit later on, but I'm not going uh, to spoil all the juicy details, but a bit of a, well, it may come as a surprise to some of our listeners. I have a feeling you may well be one of the biggest badgers at the club. I don't think it's, it's something too many people are aware of, but maybe after the podcast they'll get a sense of it. Well, per- perhaps, perhaps. I mean, as, as a dairy farmer, I don't really like the term badger, but, <laughs> but other, than, other than that, yeah, you're probably right. Um, obviously, you talked about, you know, playing, um, playing your first sort of cricket at school. What was your first club? There were a couple of people at school that played for Toft. So I went along to, to join in training with them and I joined them for the under 11s and I, I really enjoyed it actually. We had a, a great team. Uh, I really I still, still, still speak to quite a few of them. And yes, it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed playing there. We had a great coach. I just enjoyed every, every single minute of it. And we were quite, a, from what I remember, we were, we were quite a decent team as well. We, we used to steamroll people sort of week in, week out. And I remember we had, a, I think, maybe the under-12 cup final, if that exists, or possibly under-11. But we played Oldley Edge and it absolutely hammered it down with rain. And then all of the Oldley Edge parents came out on the pitch and were sort of mopping all the water up because they desperately wanted to, to play and beat us, which is fair enough. That's the type of thing I do now. Uh, and they and they did they they trashed us and then in the other 13s in the cup final i think we we got our own back and uh we beat them and i think that was my last ever match for tuft so that, that was a great great time really i did enjoy that are there any names that you know people out there might recognize from some of the lads that you played with at, at, at under 11s 12 13s the obvious one he, he was a year below us actually but he always played in our team was james drummond so he, he still plays for tuft he's a pretty good player i think he was in the lancashire academy for a bit and i just always remember you, you could never go down to tuft without him and his brother and their dad Toby Drummond being in the nets and even when they were sort of eight or nine years old he'd just be absolutely firing balls at them con- constantly you know there's basically one net set aside for the Drummonds and everyone else to use the other two but he was very good he used to open the batting and I think he retired at 30 and it was sort of t20 games and he would just bat and bat and bat and bat and retire in the last overs having scored 30 every single match and it just made it very difficult for everyone else <laughs> to score all the rest of the runs that we needed. Even as an 11-year-old, you were going in and, and having to deal with a, a slow opener in a T20. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to knock him. You, you always need that anchor. But yeah, it was, uh, we certainly had to move the speed on a bit. Now, I just want to go on to talk about some of your sort of cricket um, at secondary school. Um, but before that, where did, you, where did you go to school? Yeah, so after the under-13s, I went away to boarding school, which meant... I was always away in term time, so I stopped playing for Toft then. I stopped playing any club cricket. So I went down to rugby in Warwickshire. So actually, just to backtrack a bit, I sort of didn't lose touch with cricket at all because I carried on playing, but I I very much lost my mojo. So in the under-13s, I I got asked to train with, I I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it might be Cheshire East or something. And I was really excited about it. As Toft, we'd played the Cheshire development side and absolutely trashed them. And a bunch of us got asked sort of after the fact to join these uh, regions, which was quite nice. And I was really excited about it. And then in the first training session, I took a ball to the head in fielding practice. I can't remember anything about it, but I never got, (laughs) I never went again. (laughs) And I sort of developed a terrible fear of the ball for quite a few years. So I remember I, I applied for a sports scholarship to school and I went down and I was really pumped for the cricket. The very first ball, someone that I faced at the kind of uh, trial, someone rattled one into my helmet and I was just like, no, no, this isn't for me. And I just walked out of the net, didn't get my sports scholarship. Sort of terrible, <laughs> led to terrible <laughs> demise in my batting. <laughs> and then obviously um, at, uh, at boarding school, I guess, I guess you did play uh, a bit a bit later on towards the end of school and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I still really enjoyed playing all, all the way through. I, I never really broke into the top teams, which is a bit of a shame. And I really wanted to play for the first, but I never got there. But it was good fun. We got to, to play in lots of quite nice places. But it was it was a little bit, it's just everyone was everyone did it and you kind of enjoyed it. And then 
and then went home but there wasn't too much uh nettle about it it was just sort of what, what you're doing but, but yeah it was, it was quite fun and there was uh so one of my friends at school was uh, incredibly posh and he's this sort of family were all descended from the aristocracy and his great-grandfather had been the president of the us and all this type of stuff and he asked me along to his he, they had a sort of family match outside their manor house every year and he asked me along to that and it was being hosted by this guy who was called Merlin. He was the most in, inbred person I think I've ever met. And it, oh, it was just it was just ridiculous uh, sort of day. And I, I remember going out to bat and everyone was being very polite and it was all, all lovely. And um, the kind of patriarch of the family sort of rolled out in a motorised wheelchair and kind of sat in the pavilion. And I remember just, as, as is my want, just mowing one over Cow Corner and it just disappeared off the bat and I could see it go straight towards him and everyone was diving for cover and it just hit him like square in the chest. And after that, no one would talk to me and they were all like, why the bloody hell did you hit it over there? It's all a bit silly, really. Oh dear. Well, that's what happens when you play cricket with the aristocracy, I suppose. Well, absolutely. No, I mean, certainly an experience having sort of tea in a big mansion, but <laughs> yeah, it's all good fun. I assume you haven't been asked back for this uh, family cricket game. No, no, I got replaced by one of our other friends the following year. So. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Well, I mean, a little bit more about family cricket games a bit later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for now, I'd, I would like to talk about sort of after school. And obviously, you played cricket for quite a number of years for Chelford. And I thought you'd be interesting just to tell us kind of how you how you came about joining Chelford, some of your experiences, and and, and also, unfortunately, well, the demise, frankly, of, of, of Chelford Cricket Club, which is which has happened in the last couple of years. Yes, yes. So so I came home from school after after my A-levels and decided I did want to carry on playing. Spoke to a couple of my friends at Tuft and said, oh, shall I come down? And all of them just said, no, don't. <laughs> it's a horribly cliquey place. So I was quite surprised at that, but I thought, oh, right, I'll find a different club then. And I just saw a sign by the side of the road at Chelford saying, all players need, all players wanted, any age, any ability. And I thought, well, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> by default, it sounds like you. <laughs> yeah, by, by default. Yeah, so I, I, I basically emailed someone on, on, the, on the Thursday morning after I finished my A-levels. They said, oh, come down to training this evening. So I did. And then on the Saturday, I, I think I was, I think I might have opened the bowling for the first. So at least I was first change or something. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was, it was great. Straight back in it. Very, very good. And how did you go? Do you remember? Uh, I think I might have bagged a wicket or two. Uh, happy days. Well, I think we got absolutely smashed by May, who went on to win the league that year and then fold almost straight away or something like that. So what were your kind of experiences with Chelford? And as I say, you left Chelford before the, the demise of the club. But I mean, maybe you can talk about your experiences at Chelford and perhaps what led you to move to Macclesfield. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I did. I really, really did enjoy my time at the club and and I liked every every single person there to be honest it was it was a lovely place to play and it was sort of village cricket in the the nicest possible sense you know I loved the fact that we all muddled together to get the ground sorted out each week and all that kind of stuff and yeah I had a really good time there it's a lovely ground for anyone who's not been it's, it's sort of this massive expanse of field on a sandbank so we always got to play when it rained because the water would just drain away and yeah it was it was, it was a lovely place to play and I've got some really nice memories. I played all all the time there in the first, which was nice. And we were quite a, quite a good team. So that was great. In terms of the, the demise of the club, I think really the, the seeds for that had been sown probably a long time before I joined. Uh, and it just came to it after, after I left. But certainly it seemed like uh, lots of the long-standing members of the club were leaving for, for whatever reason, whether it be age or... <laughs> <laughs> getting getting bored of it all and we we didn't really have a junior section to speak of we probably had about nine juniors who all all disappeared one year and, and then that was kind of the end of that so we just had no one coming through at all and by the time I, I think I played there for three or four years and by the fourth year I think I might have been the the, the longest standing or second longest standing member of the club or cer certainly up there and lots of the the original people who'd been there when I joined had left. And so then I then I, I left as well. I'll, I'll say why in a second. And then I, I think a year or two later, they were just struggling for, for players to fill the teams and, and a lot of a lot of players left en masse. And I think that was that was that. You know, it's it's really it is really sad. It's a lovely club. You know, I have a great deal of affection for it and I actually drove past uh, a few weeks ago and it's uh, horrible just to see it kind of overgrown and you know, it's really uh, gone to the wolves as it were. 
So, so it, it's a real, real shame. And I'm sure the same fate is probably going to befall a lot of small village clubs uh, in the future. Yeah, I think um, it's something of a, of a reality for, for, as you say, the sort of smaller village clubs. I mean, obviously, there is some light in, in the tunnel with, with some of these smaller clubs that are amalgamating with, um, you know, bigger clubs. I know, for instance, Congleton recently have amalgamated with someone. And, you know, I know, obviously, it's quite upsetting for the longstanding members of the, of the, the you know, the older club. But in the end, two clubs coming together is, is a lot better than, than losing one entirely. But uh, one thing I would say, just anecdotal and, and to back up what you were saying, it's a little bit like what the Isherwoods were saying on their podcast. Um, you know, when you say it's it's village cricket, it, it's worth pointing out it's competitive village cricket. And, you know, the, the Chelford first team, I think, always did pretty well in, in the UK fast leagues. And and indeed, our third team uh, were, <laughs> were unfortunate to be in the same league as the Chelford second team a few years ago. And these boys used to rock up every week and it didn't matter who they played if they won the toss they batted and one through 11 they came out and tried to hit every ball for six which invariably they did a lot of the time so they would come out post 300 350 and then two blokes would come on to open the bowling and they'd normally get five for each and and they would bowl everybody out needless to say they got promoted but then they actually left the league which was a bit of a shame but yeah they they were much much too good uh, to be be playing our third (laughs) team and I think I couldn't play on one of these occasions and uh, young Tony Moores I managed to sweet talk him into captaining and and he turned up with a with a merry band and and I think they stuck 320 on the board and bowled us out for 60 so yeah competitive village cricket oh yeah absolutely to coin a phrase from dan isherwood yeah there's certainly no no lack of talent in in the team yeah I'm, I'm glad you said that about the the attitude of it i think in the end that was that was what led me to leave i've always you know you know i've always quite liked the statistics and i've liked doing well myself and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day i, I really do want to turn up and, and win whatever it is but especially cricket I just really want to win the games. And I just felt in my last season there that everyone else wanted to hit as many sixes as possible and no one was bothered about winning or losing. And I just didn't like playing cricket that way. And this might come as a shock to a lot of people <laughs> who know me at Mac, but I, I was always sort of the, the anchor of batting collapses <laughs> as they happened around me, as inevitably happens when everyone's just trying to waft sixes everywhere. And yeah, I, I think there was, there, was, there was a moment I remember when we had got absolutely pumped by someone. I think we got bowled out for 60 and they'd scored 180. And everyone just came off the pitch kind of laughing and giving it all this about this big six that someone had hit. And I, not that you should take it too seriously. You know, I'm quite happy to, to chill out about losing. But we didn't even spend one second talking about the fact we'd just been trashed. All, all everyone could talk about was just hitting big sixes. And, and I just didn't like it. So... I decided that I was, I was going to leave. As as it happened, I played a game for Cheshire Young Farmers Cricket <laughs> Club and certain Stu Parks happened to be playing as well. And I told him my predicament and he said, oh, come down to Mac. It's a, you know, it's a lovely club. So, so that's what I did. Well, more about Mr. Parks a bit later on. But um, <laughs> for now, what I would say is, is uh, Stu Parks has uh, just gone up even further than he already has in my estimations for uh, for attracting you to Mac and, and what a what a good job he did in uh, in <laughs> ensnaring you. Um, leading nicely on from that, um, I thought it'd be interesting just to hear your kind of thoughts and, and experiences on, on firstly joining Mac and, and and how you've enjoyed it to date, really. Yeah, well, I I, I was really nervous about joining actually. Uh, you know, I'd heard a lot, especially from my, my friends that were playing at Toft. I'd heard lots of bad things about big clubs being kind of places where you just get lost and there's no real atmosphere. Just for clarity, this is the same people at the same club who told you not to come to Toff because it was a massive clique, right? Wait, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just getting a cheap shot in on Toff. Don't worry. Carry on. That's fine. I mean, for the record, I'd like to say I enjoyed every minute I did spend at Toft, even if that was 15 years ago. Yeah, so I, so I was really nervous about joining. And then I was also nervous about the fact that obviously Mac were playing in, in a League 5 five leagues higher than Chelford. As it turned out, I, I've not really got into Mac first team, so that was irrelevant. <laughs> but I, I was very nervous about joining, and I think I did, I did play a warm-up game against Nantwich first, but then my first competitive game was uh, against Nantwich seconds uh, for Mac at home, for the seconds. And you, you did mention it slightly in your intro, but I, I do remember in that game just sort of chatting to everyone. Everyone seems to be absolutely on my wavelength. I, I scored a few runs in it, and as I came off, there were just a whole bunch of people who I don't think I'd ever met just saying, oh, well done, Radders, well done. And I just remember sitting in the 
the change room afterwards thinking this is fantastic I absolutely feel at home and I probably couldn't have told you the names of anyone in the room <laughs> but I still I still felt at home so so yeah I loved it and I, I've loved every second since uh, I feel a great deal of affection for the club so yes yeah, it's, it's great absolutely fab all joking aside I know I've just given uh Toft a bit of a, a spray there but you know we do have a reputation throughout the the leagues that we play in um ones through threes for for being you know um well in other people's estimations i think they think of us as being uh, gobshites and and historically <laughs> macclesfield have always played very hard very aggressive cricket i mean even listening to you know chuck's podcast and even you know way back then mac have always played really hard cricket and i think that leaves a mark with other clubs and especially when other people then take on the mantle no no mentions curly moors <laughs> it's it's just something that goes around but actually one of the things that i like from the podcast and it's it's one of dare i say it my favorite quotes but please don't tell him carl burgess on his podcast said you know people used to say to him oh you know what is it with mac and how can you play there and how do you get on with all those guys you know isn't it so cliquey and burge would always say there are no cliques at mac mac is one big clique and i think I couldn't really put it better than that, to be honest. And it's it's nice to hear someone like yourself, who's a more recent kind of addition to the club, you know, talking yeah positively and and you know with a bit of affection to take the words right out of your mouth about the club. So it's it's really nice to hear. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone's been completely welcoming ever, ever since I arrived. It's funny you say that about other clubs because I did the first time, and it we took quite a while before we sang a song or before I sang a song because we got absolutely pumped all year the year I joined um, <laughs> but I, I do remember singing the first song and thinking oh I'm not sure about this it might rub people up the wrong way but I'm well in on it now yeah that's that's the same the issue would sort of said the same that, that you know they'd never been anywhere with a song and the first few times you think oh my god people absolutely hate this and, th and then suddenly you're singing along to it and I think you know leading into what I said as well I think maybe some of the reason some Certain people at certain clubs don't like us may well be to do with the song as well. Who knows? Well, maybe, but it's 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 just a bit of fun, isn't it? So. Exactly. It's it's for us, not for anyone else. No, absolutely. <laughs> now, <laughs> move, moving on from there, Reds, I thought um, it'd be good to to talk about um, your stats and and then a couple of games. One of which you've you've already mentioned. Yeah. And of course, yeah. I I did allude to in your your introduction. Um, but yeah, as per kind of play cricket, which is kind of including, I think most of your your Chelford games and your Mac games actually. Yeah. So you've played sixty four games with fifty two innings and fourteen not outs, which may come as a surprise to some people who perhaps don't think of you in that light. Uh, scoring six hundred and fifty six <laughs> runs with a high score of fifty two not out and forty five fours and six sixes. I'm sure there are a lot more sixes than that, but um, you'll. Have have to take it up with the scorers i'd like to think that um well i certainly think of you you as an all-rounder would you would you would you feel the same do you think you're an all-rounder yeah absolutely batting all around me yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i have to say i think of you as a bowling around but what a very useful batsman you are but perhaps you don't necessarily get the opportunity to show it other than uh, people's preconceptions about what what you do yeah <laughs> i'm sure we'll get onto that in a minute but i think i've uh made a bad bed for myself to lie in in that regard <laughs> so your bowling stats are 354.3 overs 79 maidens 67 wickets with a best of 6 for 30 uh, strike rate of 31 and a, a very good average of 17 which is uh, pretty pleasing yeah no I'm pretty happy with that very very good so the two games I want to talk about um, we're going to leave the Macclesfield one for last but I thought it'd be fun to talk about a game from, from Chelford that you actually uh, did quite well in and it was in fact your best bowling statistics so this is a game from the 27th of june 2015 and chelford first team are playing chester county officers uh, yeah so i remember well a, few, a bit of context for this match so i didn't really star in our batting at all we had a couple of good players at the top of the order who got a few runs i think i got i might have got bowled out for one uh, which wasn't great but never mind uh, and i and we ended up scoring 202 uh off pretty much the full allotment of our overs, which I think really was way above par. You know, that should have been absolutely fine to carry us home. And then I rem we went into the changing room at the, the halftime break, and this was when there were still a lot of people in the team taking winning and losing very seriously. And the, the week before, we'd put 240 on the board and then had it chased down by Bunbury. I think we'd only taken four of their wickets as well, so we'd, we'd been on the, the wrong end of a 240-odd for four result that we really should have won so 
I was absolutely fired up for this uh, bowling. And we went out and had a pretty great start. I think I might have got a wicket first ball of the innings. Uh, certainly first ball of my spell. And from there, I just it was just an, an awesome feeling. I, I felt kind of like every single ball I was bowling was was lethal. I, well, I mean, I don't want to don't want to sound very immodest, but for once in my life, and I've never got a five for since. So that says everything you need to know, really. I just absolutely ran through their top order. I think I got their numbers one, three, five, and six all out for ducks you did indeed to say you had a bit of a day out would be uh would be an understatement you um yeah you opened the bowling and you bowled 11 overs three maidens six for 30 and as you say uh just ran through the top order so i can i can imagine at the end of the day back in the changing room job done team happy oh yeah it's just it was just a one wonderful day really it was, it was cricket 101 smash 200 on the board i think we had them 16 or 20 for seven maybe at one point and yeah we just just annihilated them basically long-term listeners to the podcast will know that former guest and club celebrity pete langley has been running 100k in a month for charity by hook or by crook he's now completed that challenge and after a modest target of 200 pounds was achieved inside 24 hours he is now close to raising 1000 pounds for parkinson's uk he would like to thank anyone from the MacCC community who has donated. No matter how big or small the donation, each one is appreciated hugely. The fundraising webpage is still open by searching Langer's 100k on justgiving.com and if anyone was holding back not believing he would do it, donations are still welcome. So the second game that I wanted to talk about is is the one that you you know you did make mention of and I've mentioned it was your your first game for Macclesfield and this was on the 22nd of April 2017 and this was Macclesfield's second team versus Nantwich second team Nantwich won the toss and elected to field and Macclesfield were bowled out for 162 in 50 overs now unfortunately in reply Nantwich did get over the line with 165 um, for eight in reply in 47 points one overs but you know we talked about your bowling and, and I thought it would only be fair to, to talk about some of your batting and, and you certainly came in and and had a bit of a cameo shall we say a, a bit later down the down the order and and as you've alluded to perhaps you you made a rod for your own back with this innings but from <laughs> from what I from what I remember you you came in and, and basically pongoed it everywhere um, including some very, very big hits. You scored 46 that day and you were batting number eight. Um, what, what do you remember about uh, the, the Mac innings? Yeah, well, I, 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 the, first, the first thing I, I actually thought, and this is quite bad, was when we were, we, we had lost quite a, wick, quite a few wickets quite early. I think we maybe 50 for five or 50 for six or something like that. And I just remember thinking, what have you done? Why have you come to this club? This is just the same as Chelford. <laughs> this is exactly what happened there. So I was, yeah, I was not really, not really sure about what was going on. It's classic cricket, wickets falling everywhere. And then I went out to bat, like you say, at eight. I think the score was about 60, maybe 60 for six. It was Curly at the other end, Curly Moores. And I remember taking a great deal of heart in the fact that he was just playing everything on the leg side. And I, I thought, well, I'm right at home here. It's a good job no one worries about good technique. <laughs> <laughs> was he sweeping, just for the record? Oh, he was. He swept everything. Absolutely everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the thing that often gets overlooked, I think, about this innings is that we actually stayed there and didn't score very, very many runs for a very long time, from what I remember. And it was only when Curly got out that I started... Well, I just there was basically one absolute dross ball that someone bowled at me, and I just swung as hard as I could at it, and it, I think it landed somewhere in the hospital. So I thought, oh, that that worked well. I'll, <laughs> I'll just I'll just do that again. <laughs> uh, so so I did that a few more times, and then eventually got bowled out, and I got a bit overzealous at the end. Yeah, we we got up to about 160. Well, you said at the beginning, I think 162. So a fairly respectable score, I thought. But yeah, I was, I was quite happy with that. Yep, from what I remember, as I say, you, you stuck more than one into the hospital and thus developed a bit of a reputation as a, a, a lusty late order swinger, shall we say, <laughs> which I know that you're you're always keen to sort of try and get rid of this, uh, <laughs> this reputation, aren't you? Absolutely. See, the secret to my batting is, you know, I have very little natural talent. So you've got to face at least 30 balls before you can try and hit it out the middle. So constantly being put in at eight and nine and just being told to give it a whack from the outset leads to me getting a lot of ducks, I think. 
<laughs> well, I was deliberately avoiding your uh, your ducks because I know you you know you you're not very happy about that, and I'm sure it's something you'll you'll put right in the coming seasons. Perhaps Absolutely. if you're given the opportunity, so uh, you'll have to get in the ear of those captains. Yeah, well, I, will, I will do. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is this is. I'm just using this as shameless self promotion, really. Yeah, this is a platform to finally get your your point across that you are in fact. Uh, Jeffrey Boycott-esque. Well, absolutely. As long as you don't get onto my political views, we'll be all right. Yes, absolutely. Moving swiftly <laughs> onwards. <laughs> no, um, there are a few uh, few little stories and, and things I want to mention um, that I thought it would be quite fun to talk to you about. One of them I, I brought up in your uh, in your introduction, which is that you do have somewhat a reputation for, for rather ha- having slightly unusual sleeping habits <laughs> especially on a saturday do, do you want to do you want to you know give your side of the story before i bury you yeah, absolutely i mean first first of all i think you know everyone sleeps everyone does it completely natural thing to do so there's no there's no, no problems there and let's be honest watching some people bat is just very boring <laughs> See, I thought you were going to take the line of the reason I fall asleep whilst uh, watching other people bat on a Saturday is because I'm so tired from my extremely strenuous and difficult job, not because uh, you you know bored to tears of watching people block it out. Well, maybe a bit of both, but <laughs> you know you've, you've got to you've got to be in sort of a prime position to to bat well when you go out to bat, and and you know a bit of sleep, you know, just returns some strength to the limbs, doesn't it? You've got to. You've got to do what you've got to do. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many pictures are on our WhatsApp group of you asleep on Saturdays, but there's more than three, I think. Yeah, far, far, far too many for my liking. All <laughs> <laughs> I'll say is, you know, it's for the team. It's for the team. It's for the you've team. To, you've got to be at your peak. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Now, uh, there's there's one uh, there's one piece of drama, and I do love a bit of drama on the podcast. I want to stir it up a bit here. Oh, no. One of one of the things that I, I did talk about, you know, we've mentioned him already, Stuart Parks. Um and, and you, you were very kind about Stuart Parks and you said, you know, he you were playing young farmers cricket with him. I I definitely don't want to talk about that because the, the the mind boggles. But <laughs> yeah. um but what I will say is, you know, you spoke very very kindly of Stuart Parks and you know, he brought you to Macclesfield and, and, and what a great guy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. However, you do have a bit of a grudge with with Stu Parks, don't you? Because uh, I, I, as I understand it, he he may have recently defeated you in a in a young farmers debating competition, and it's something I I think you're carrying around with you, aren't you? Do do, do you want to tell us about this? Uh, yeah, sure. So so young farmers, uh, an excellent organisation for anyone wishing to join, has competitions all through the year, and one of them is is debate. It's very exciting. You you, you have to debate motions it's uh you know it's, it's all good fun like everything else i take it very very seriously <laughs> well so does Stu, really and I, I drew in this year i've been giving a load of trash talk because i'm in congleton young farmers he's in macclesfield young farmers congleton are quite clearly better in every single conceivable way <laughs> but yeah on, on this occasion Stu put put in a stellar performance um, including i think a uh, sort of improvised donald trump impersonation in one of his speeches so you'll have to ask him to, to give you that at some point and yeah he he, he beat us so I, i'm not sure i can forgive him for it to be honest but he's, he's too old now for, for those who don't know he's, he's really getting on a bit he's too old for young farmers he's, na- he's now an old farmer <laughs> there we go some shots fired and a bit of drama on the podcast I, <laughs> I do love it when i can stare it up now um another thing that that i, I thought would be quite interesting to to mention you 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 know you you've said it a little bit before about sort of family cricket matches and and you have your own family cricket match each year don't you oh yes yeah absolutely so t- to be honest as, as well as as just enjoying the game for itself this is probably one of the reasons why i particularly enjoy cricket over all the other sports i do um so we have a uh, all of my family kind of gathers uh, family and friends over the August bank holiday every year down at my godfather's farm in Pembrokeshire. And part of this, we basically have a, a week-long series of drunken shenanigans, which is, of course, great fun. My favourite week of the year. But we also have this uh, cricket club and uh, we have a, an AGM and a sit-down meal on the Sunday night of bank holiday weekend. We, we eat at about 10 o'clock. Everyone's, for want of a better phrase, absolutely rat-assed. 
Um, and at about 1am, we'll, we'll have this AGM and there'll be fines dished out left, right and centre. The teams will get picked, but it's, it's all very corrupt. You can just bribe anyone to be on someone's team. So as a person who actually plays cricket, I, I constantly get put on the, the president's team. 20 years in a row in a random draw. So that uh, <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about that. And then, yeah, on the, the Monday morning, we have to all roll out of bed at 11 o'clock. Everyone's incredibly hungover and uh, we play a game. And I have actually printed off the rules for you because, or some of the rules, because they're a bit different from the normal rules of cricket. So the LBW rule, everyone's favourite, is uh, can only be given by the umpire if the ball pitches in line with the stumps, hits the batsman's pads in line with the stumps is deemed that it would have undoubtedly gone on to hit the stumps, and if the player's old enough to know better. (laughs) (laughs) Rule number eight. All players will be asked to bowl one over if they are medically able. (laughs) Maybe something we should introduce in uh, Mac, that. (laughs) Oh, God, can you imagine? (laughs) But yeah, so it's just, it's very silly, really. And we we play on a field, which for want of a better better phrase it's just a minefield it's got big tractor ruts going down the wicket uh one of my cousins has, has taken it upon himself to flatten it flatten out the deck every summer in the last few years and it has got noticeably better but i, I do remember the first year i thought i'm quite a quick bowler I, I bowled at dad he wasn't wearing any pads or anything and the ball was he was probably going to hit halfway up off stump and it just hit a rut and whistled past his face and it's it's incredibly dangerous really <laughs> no no pads hard balls basically <laughs> children everywhere this is farmer cricket isn't it oh this is this is farmer cricket 101 but you know it's, it's still still proper everyone's wearing whites we have tea blazers we have to just occasionally move pigs and things off the pitch but it's it's, it's all very good and there's a shield awarded every year for an outstanding showing in the field and it's one of the Probably the biggest bugbear of my life that I've never won this shield, despite having dedicated a lot of my life to trying to get better at cricket. And I think it's got to the point where they're actively trying not to give it to me and just really taking the mick and rubbing it in. Because this year, uh, my dog Alfie won the award <laughs> because someone just smoked a ball at him and it hit him. And he, he started bleeding from out of his nose. And apparently spilling blood on the wicket for your team is better than scoring runs so <laughs> so again i was thwarted this time by a, a six inch tall jack russell <laughs> but he is very sprightly i think it's key to point out well he's, he's certainly a better fielder than me yes <laughs> <laughs> very good indeed right as the, the the last sort of story or you know humorous thing i want to bring up perhaps is is something i said before some people may not know um but now maybe they're getting a sense of the fact that you, you are in fact a, a, a prime badger i'm sorry for calling you a badger we've already established you don't like badgers but nonetheless you you are a badger (laughs) and one of the things i would i would like for you to to explain to everybody is is about what happened one summer with with you county cricket and how is that set of cricket it's actually quite a reasonably funny story about how i I got the hours that set uh, in the first place so mum through her work had got hospitality tickets for an ODI at Lord's and uh, I don't think they'd filled up their allotment. So I got taken down as well, just with my mum, a load of business people. And I was just sitting there about 11 years old, loving every minute of it. And we had sort of steak and stuff in the nursery pavilion. And it was just absolutely fab. I, l- I loved every minute of it. Um, and then we went to the, the gift shop afterwards and Mum got me a, a little set of val- how's that was with the, the two little rollers. And you you can kind of play with your friends indoors if it's raining or whatever. You kind of roll them around and score different amounts, or you might get out or whatever. I think it's quite a, quite an old traditional game. I'm sure everyone will know know about it. Oh yes. So anyway, I, I then decided, being a bit a bit of a bit of a nerd really, uh, also being the the only, the only child about three miles away from any other children out here in the in the sticks i decided to do my own county cricket season just using the the how's that rollers so i came up with i, I clearly hadn't discovered the internet at this point because i could have just looked up who actually played for the different clubs but i think i got the, the lancashire team down and then the rest of them i i just looked through the phone book and made up all these uh, <laughs> names and then i just started yeah playing all these matches keeping a i think i bought a scorebook or somehow I just started playing all these matches and I think I, I basically compiled a, maybe a half season of, of uh, county cricket matches with full batting averages and everything just off this game of how's that. So that's how sad I am. 
<laughs> and then when I wasn't doing that, I was just bowling at a stump on my lawn by myself. So <laughs> it was a pretty bleak summer, really. <laughs> you say that, but um, I'm sure there are more than one or two people out there who, who think back to their, their childhood and think, you know what, actually, I probably would have quite enjoyed that. Oh, loved every minute of it. I actually still quite enjoy scoring, to be honest. <laughs> I'd always pick that over umpiring. Yeah, yeah. I've, I think whenever you do play for the third team, which as far as I'm concerned is, is, is too often, and you're a classy scorer, that's what I'll say, Radis. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I've, I've got, the, got the shouting down. Bowl's name? Well, that is the one bit of scoring that I'm particularly useful at, <laughs> inquiring about the bowler's name, uh, for, for obvious reasons. Before we move on to, towards the end of the podcast here, are there any other sort of uh, key stories or experiences you want to bring up? I mean, I, I can't think of any. I, I seem to... I seem to be a passenger quite a lot in cricket games. It certainly seems to me that whenever I'm bowling, all the wickets fall at the other end. So whether I'm just a good partner bowler or, or I'm just not a very good bowler, I don't know. But Well, I have to say I enjoy bowling with you. That's, that's very kind, very kind. It's always good to have a sort of left arm, right arm combination, I was thinking. And, and you are, you know, one of very few left arm seamers sort of at our club. Obviously, we've we've got uh, Chris Moores and, and, and formerly Greg Melrose, but who are obviously playing the majority of their cricket in the in the first team but you know we don't have lots of uh, left armers so you are a bit of a commodity you do raise a good point there today it seems to be a pair of shoes about my size needing to be filled in the first there <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I, I would like to uh, bring up a mention is on the on the third team podcast review i sort of made mention of the fact that once you discovered that last game of the season we'd, we'd been fined for playing you well docked points for playing you you were you were not happy were you so first i just want to ask you about that well i mean first first of all it wasn't really like it was a close game you know you, you would have won that game without me definitely so it's a real shame that you you know that i was playing and i was just oh it's just absolutely gutted especially as you know you were dabbling around at the top of the table. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the, the end outcome was, but yeah, devastated. And that, that's the second time I've really botched a match for you. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But but what, what did come of that was that categorically, the, the boys on the podcast said that it was not your fault and, and the blame lay entirely with me. And I would like to very publicly uh, agree with them and say it was my fault. I was incapable of reading the very minuscule rule book and finding the rule that was buried at the back of the 459th page subtext appendix 77,000 and then being able to apply it to our game. Now, the counter side of this story is that, you know, you felt really bad about, you know, what you'd, what you'd done and you obviously don't need to. Ian Kenny on the 13 podcast was talking about this game and he, uh, he basically said in the podcast that he didn't feel like you and Ed Strong had sort of bowled to your your normal standards that day and then after the podcast he immediately messaged me and said oh mate I'm I feel like I just gave Radders and, and Banjo a massive spray and I, you know I said they were terrible I didn't mean that I was just trying to say they're really good and they just weren't at the weren't at the you know the races that day and he was he was very uh very concerned that he'd he'd offended you know you and you and Banjo so is there anything you'd like to say to, to Ian Kenny? Well, absolutely. Firstly, I'd like to say, you know, you're absolutely right to feel terrible about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've not worn it as a chip on my shoulder ever since, but I think the phrase you used was scratchy. And yeah, it's, you know, it, it cut, cut deep that. Cut deep. <laughs> uh, but I, I suppose I suppose I can find it within myself to, to forgive you, Ian. So ca carry on the good batting. <laughs> I think uh, it, at this juncture, it is key to point out that I think most of them said in the same podcast that the only reason you aren't playing higher standard of cricket is because you don't play all that often and that is the plight of you know your agricultural roots it is difficult to get to uh, to every game of cricket but um perhaps perhaps that's something for the future absolutely the, you know the, the weekly bus doesn't allow me to get off the farm too often so <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to try and change that in the future but yeah no I've, i should uh, i should add that uh, Ian took an, an absolute worldly off my bowling, which I think got me my only wicket in that game. So <laughs> I, I can't bash him too much. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> very, very good. Well, Radders, uh, we're coming on towards the uh, the end of the podcast here. And, you know, the quick fire questions have been giving some people a real challenge. Others have flown through them. Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to think about those. Let's see if we can catch you out or not. Um, so, Radders, it is the quick fire question time. Are you ready? I was born ready. Nickname. 
Radders. Left or right-handed? Always left. Bat or bowl? Yeah, bit of both, bit of both. Fielding position? Uh, well, it's a tough one because, uh, you know, I don't like being close to the bat and I can't throw it very far, so uh, <laughs> not really not really a top fielder, but I quite like running around on the boundary, just it's sort of the inner dog in me. Test or T20? Oh, test every day of the week. Best cricketer you've played with? Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty hard. Well, I think there was, there was, a, there was a guy at Chelford called Curran Malik who could just walk out and absolutely flay every single ball for six, and it was amazing to watch him bat. So I said, okay for him. Fastest bowler you faced? That would be Barrow's Overseas Pro from a few years ago. Again, when I was at Chelford, a guy called Matt Parks. Well, I think he was called Matt Parks. Yeah, he was just absolutely lightning. He had absolutely no place being in the fifth tier of Cheshire League cricket. I think he, I think he might have taken 70 or 80 wickets that season. Has he ruined the league? <laughs> Messiest in the dressing room? Oh, that's, a, that's a difficult one, to be fair. I, I mean, I'm pretty messy myself. So <laughs> I, might, I might have to throw myself under the bus there, I think. <laughs> Do you know what? I think you may well be the first person who's thrown themselves under the bus for that question. I can't remember what Crossy said. I mean, that's going back to episode one. Crossy might have said himself. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, Crossy is terrible. I've, I've only shared dressing with him twice, but yeah, he's pretty bad. <laughs> you can't change your answer now, Radders. <laughs> <laughs> um, longest in the shower? Well, I was tempted to say myself. No, I've, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard it's Nipper, actually. Interesting. <laughs> a new name to the, uh, to the showering scenarios. First thing when you play at tees? Oh, now this is a question that I could speak to you for hours about. Because I pay a lot more attention to tea than, than the actual cricket. It's really why I turn up, why I pay the money. The question really should be, what's the only first plate at tea? So talk us through, here we go, Radis. Talk us through what and how you would construct your first plate at tea. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to really turn this into not a quick fire question here. I'll take you back to when tea really starts, which is at the toss. Should I ever become captain, I'll give everyone fair warning. We'll be bowling first every single game because... You know, nobody wants to be eating a full tea and then going out to bowl. It's just, it's absurd. I, I yeah. agree. I do we're, agree. We're there for the tea. So bowl first and then you can eat your tea and watch other people bat. So that's the first thing. If we bat first, it just throws all these plans out the window. Terrible, terrible decision in my book. And then you've got to assess who else is on the pitch with you. You know, what are these people likely to go and eat? Is Crossy playing? Things like that. And then, yeah, based on that, you've, you've got to take your first plate. It's just got to be things you like that you think might be gone. You've got to load up with the, the pork pies, the sort of the nice sandwiches, that kind of thing, the crisps, pizza. And then you can just chow your way through that quite comfortably. And then really the second plate is where it, where it starts properly. You've had your, your sort of fun. You flirted with the buffet, as it were. Yeah, it's the second plate, that's where you want to get your, you know, your proper foods in, your sandwiches, sausage rolls, things like that things that you feel you ought to be eating. Your third plate, you can go back for your, your crisps, any sort of remaining pizza, kind of things that you feel a bit a bit bad about eating. And then your fourth plate, this is where you get your, your cakes and sort of one bit of fruit is just a nod to some degree of health. And then, and then what I tend to do, everyone else will go back to the dressing room here. I don't know what they do. They might be talking about the second innings. I'm not sure. Never been there. You just loiter near the near the table and then, because you don't want to look greedy when you go for your fifth plate, you loiter near the table and when someone starts to come to clear it away, you, you sort of jump to your feet and say, oh, do you want me to finish some stuff off for you? And that, that's kind of the leftovers plate. You just get as much as you can on there, stack it up, go and sit on the boundary and then just nibble on that until, uh, until you have to go out and bat. At this juncture, it would be very, very key to point out anybody that doesn't know Tom or has never seen Tom, um, Tom, uh, Tom may have given you the sense that he he is uh, quite a large chap. Um, in reality, he is as lean as a bean and uh, as 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 fighting fit as as an ox, or indeed a cow, shall we say? <laughs> I wish that would make my job a lot easier. If you took one look at him, you would not for a second think that he eats five plates of tea. That's what I will say. Well, looks can be deceptive, uh, Miles. That's what I'll say. And uh, tapeworms quite cheap to buy. <laughs> Right, back onto the quickfire questions. Let's take it home. Drink of choice. Uh, gotta be lager. Lager, lager, lager. Takeaway of choice. Pizza. Dance move of choice. Or well, I like the uh, milk in the cow. Very good. You know what? That's a really obvious one, and I didn't think you were going to say that. I mean, I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but it wasn't milking the cow. <laughs> Three dream dinner guests. Who are they? You see, I've listened to every podcast thinking about who I'd, who I'd have, and there are different three every time, and now I'm not sure what to say. The, I mean, the first person, obvious choice, Alistair Cook's going to be there. You know, I can talk about cricket, I can talk about farming. 
happy days. What what a chap, my cricketing hero as well. Uh, it gets a bit harder after that. I think I'm, I might go for. Are you allowed people that aren't alive anymore? Oh, absolutely. All right. I think I'll, I'll definitely get a bit of Winston Churchill. You know, you, you've got to have some some sort of patriotism in there. I think probably one of the most interesting guys you could talk to in in history, really, and a sort of famous drunkard as well. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect dinner guest in my book. Yeah, and then a third person. Keep out a cricketing theme, but you, you want a bit of a bit of life to the party as well. So I think you'd, you'd have to have Freddie. Freddie Flint's off. Very, very good indeed. That would be a, a, a merry band, no doubt. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, Radis, I will. Uh, I'm going to ask you what your your aims for this season and and next season will be. Well, I, I mean, I just hope we get to play some cricket this season, and I really hope that when we do get to play some cricket, I'm not milking that afternoon because that would be a real kick in the teeth. <laughs> Certainly next season. I, I mean, again, don't want to blow my own trumpet. Did quite well last season, I thought, with my batting and my bowling. So I really do want to to kick on with that. I finally discovered that actually thinking about what you're doing when you're batting is really helpful. So I'm going to try and carry on doing that and then just, uh, yeah, just bowl a bit faster. Probably, you know, take 50 wickets, score 500 runs for the first. Easy. Seems like uh, more than attainable thing to do. Radas, uh, before we before we wrap up the, the podcast, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure. And any closing remarks from yourself? Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me on, Miles. I hope it's... Uh, been at least amusing or interesting for someone <laughs> i suppose secondly i'd like to say sort of thank you to everyone everyone at mac and everyone listening for for really welcoming me into the mac family and i'm really glad to be part of it so thank you all very much well i'm sure i can speak for everyone when we uh, when we say we're, we're very glad to have you you've been an excellent addition to the club and if nothing else i'm just pleased to get out there on a very public public platform how much of a badger you are Radis, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast as I say it's been an absolute pleasure and I will speak to you soon speak to you soon thanks Miles thank you for your continued support of the podcast since the debut episode 12 weeks ago we have amassed nearly 4,000 unique downloads from 12 different countries including one very dedicated listener from Sweden to say the podcast has developed quicker than I thought it would would be an understatement As such, I would like to offer listeners the opportunity to become more involved with the podcast by becoming Patreons. The podcast is currently self-funded, and with your help, I would like to continue to develop the quality and content. For anyone interested in this, please visit Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash get it whacked. Thank you.